Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. You might have to forgive a couple of members of the second captain's presenting team if it takes us a while to warm up today as we gamely soldiered through the Super Bowl that felt like it would never end last night until it finally did end somewhere after quarter to four in the morning with the quarter Kansas City Chiefs. I, I was like, for fuck's sake, I want the San Francisco 49ers to win. I want US Murph to be happy this week. But at the expense Mahomes, of an hour of sleep. <laughs> at that time of night, I did want... I, somebody has to win this game. So if, it's, if, if it has to be the Chiefs, mm. so be it. Yeah. And that's how it came to pass. I did have a sinking feeling when they... Uh, kick the three points in overtime. I was like, you've just given the ball to Patrick Mahomes on the 25-yard line with unlimited time and all he has to do is score a touchdown. I mean, I could have gone to bed then. Honestly, I felt like I could have. But I know, but when you've, you know... Now, when you've lasted as long as half three, well keep going, what's yeah. the difference between half three and quarter to four? Yeah, you're wrecked anyway. Yeah, I feel like I'm kind of waking up actually just talking to you guys here so this is good Brian's going to be on the show tomorrow for World Service members of course secondcaptains.com five euro a month plus VAT <laughs> if we're feeling a bit sluggish today I, I don't know how Brian is going to be feeling but mm. we always speak to him after he has spoken to his listeners sleep. for four hours yeah he'll so have he, a full night's sleep he literally comes to us right after finishing his show He's got, he'll have four hours of regrets recriminations yeah. hard luck stories all that kind of stuff and then he'll deliver them all to us in <laughs> filtered form <laughs> email in after our podcast about Ireland's win versus France in our Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Six Nations game forgot to read this out at the time Owen Lean said I've long known that Simon is an Irish rugby fan depressive losing by 20 points would be a success <laughs> as he famously said against New Zealand he embodies all of the nerves and negativity that is I think an emotional guard against disappointment I too share this quality like much of the rest of the Irish population but once we've won enjoy the victory you can't take wins like this for granted we've only won one away game in France and a handful of times in 50 sorry we've only won in France away a handful of times in 50 years and you start the podcast on our poor line out stats in the Rugby World Cup uh, let's talk about it Downer are we addicted to misery yours a happy Ireland rugby fan in fairness I was the one who brought up those line out stats mm. but that was to illustrate that we had fixed that problem yeah. I was trying to be somewhat positive although I do I take the point there was a bit of a tone from the three of us of what, 
Are, What's up with France? Yeah, well, well France <laughs> are so bad. How was I? How was it so easy? I think it was more a shock than anything else. Yeah, uh, rather than and of course, well, as we the, said, the World Cup hangover. Our previous stop that phrase. Yeah, our previous wins in France involved our greatest ever players, Sexton or Driscoll, doing their greatest ever moments. Yeah. So it was, it did all feel a little new and a little strange. But I think we're, and I've said this before, I'm a victim of having grown up in the 90s watching Ireland. Mm. Wooden Spoon, I think, eight out of 10 years in a row or something like that. (laughs) And Neil Francis panting after two lineouts. That was my general (laughs) memory of the 90s. Um, And I'm I'm trying to override that at all times. Yeah. Unsuccessfully. Yeah. But I am aware of... It's a real war in there. (laughs) In that little braid of yours. And Simon I know people like, people like Caelan Dars like are like, yeah. what are you on about? <laughs> We're the best country in the world, have been since I was born. Get over it. We've yeah. got young lads popping and just, you know, belting out Arden's call like nobody's business. Super confident. <laughs> Everybody right down to our kids are confident now. You know when we were growing up and your mum or dad would watch it like an English kid get interviewed on the news or something and the English kid would just give it like a confident answer. Really precocious. Yeah, not shy. Yeah. Americans oh, especially. Why, why aren't you shy? Why aren't you blushing? Like why you, you're on TV. <laughs> Yeah, yeah well, well, no, that's Irish Irish kids now. Apparently so, Owen. I'll tell you who's making me happy at the moment. Jack Crowley. I felt like we spent the entire gap between the World Cup and the Six Nations talking about how Johnny Sexton was going to be mm-hmm. replaced in the Ireland team, who was going to replace him, what impact it would have and all that kind of stuff. I'll tell you one thing, Johnny Sexton's never absolutely paced a grand slam like Jack Crowley. <laughs> about He's also, in his entire career, not smiled as much as Jack Crowley has in his two games so far. Yeah. There was a bit where after the second try, it was Dan Sheehan's first try, where Crowley had been involved a couple of times mm. He does the offload to Henshaw, I think. Eventually works its way out to uh, to Dan Sheehan, this four try. There's a lovely replay that they showed just a minute or so later where the camera stays on Crowdy after he's completed the offload and he gets hit by one or two defenders who he mm. committed, falls to the ground, turns his neck, he can see it's worked, he knows it's a try and he's just lying there, delighted yeah. bastard, it's really smiling. Well, it feels like it took sex and he got there in the end. Yeah. It took most of his career to really show a lot of joy. Yeah, but, I mean, but, but when he broke uh, O'Gara's uh, points record <laughs> in the World Cup, he, he was smiling but it was more of a shove it up yours O'Gara. Yeah. Well, I mean, the early Sexton was, was absolutely shove it up yours O'Gara. Mm. Yeah. Is, you know, yeah, yeah, I mean, in his face and all that kind of stuff. Crowley is just, yeah, look, he's different personalities different personality Crowley's a very aesthetically pleasing player to watch mm. and it's in an effective way it's not performative or it's not just for the sake of doing something that will look good it's effective too and he has this sort of disguise on his pass oh, yeah. where he can leave it literally till the last moment to make up his mind because he's so comfortable in traffic and he's comfortable getting tackled and that's one thing that is different now Sexton was a powerful guy but he, he didn't actually look that comfortable ploughing into traffic with the ball he, al- he always would rather pass the ball away whereas Crowley looks like he's as happy to run with it as he is pass and if he does get tackled he look- he's almost got the stature of like an Owen Farrell where he will be fine if he gets tackled we don't look like we're getting turned over um, so he has that option and he knows if, the, if it isn't on he can still carry and we suddenly have a weapon there that we haven't had for a while with sort of sex in his latter years where the run is on now Sexton made the odd break but generally defences didn't have to worry too much about Sexton I feel like we're all running himself we're already starting to do the thing that everyone has done with Joe Schmidt Schmidt was the one holding us back all these years. Yeah. <laughs> Sexton's finally gone and now we can open up and yeah. start playing some rugby, start running that ball a little bit. You know, like, What I did like about Sexton was he generally kicked the ball over over the crossbar and between those between two the, posts yeah. after scoring. After you get points for that, don't you? You get points for that and mm. I'd like young Crowdy just to maybe do that a bit more consistently. Yeah, the, I mean, there, was, there was a debate on Virgin Media afterwards, I don't know if you saw it, where Matt Williams was saying that you need a kicker at 85% and without that... 
forget about it. You're not going to win any mm. big competition, which isn't necessarily true. Like Raj won the Champions Cup with Ehi West at out half. Um, but in general, like it's a Andre Pollard, it's a Dan Carter, it's a yeah, Johnny yeah. Wilkinson that wins you World Cups and, and slams and all level. the rest of it. Yeah. So we don't need, a, you know, uh, Neil Jenkins, ninety percenter, but you need somebody who's around the same percentage every game. You don't Google want to them fluctuate. Kids, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need a Paul Thorburn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if only we could all have a Thorburn. Yeah. I'm desperately trying to remember the England fullback uh, Wilkins, no, Marcus that. Rose. No, 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 no. Like Go dusty, dusty hair. You know, incredibly thin. The uh, early nineties England fullback. Ah, was he a goal kicker? Because if he not, was a okay, goal kicker, right, you, yeah, you look for him. Dusty hair. Metro- I think dusty hair. Jerry Grand Thornley. Fox is too modern a reference. Jerry yeah. Thornley is on today with Tom English at BBC Scotland. The dream of a Grand Slam decider. Was it a dream? I had the dream. I was really looking at forward to the way to fix your list was panning out. If Scotland can beat France, we could be set up for a Grand Slam decider. Mm. Ireland and Scotland both unbeaten going into the last game. But that dream is no more. I know you've got somebody in mind there, Murphy, if you found the name. Sorry? No, no, oh, no. Oh, sorry, no, just no. the way you were deciding. You're just no, listen, disappointed I, about the I, Scotland I, I, thing. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm walking in chewing gum here at the same time, Owen. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm really disappointed for Scotland. I believe it was the referee, Nick Berry, who said, <sighs> it's not going to be a grand slab for you this year. Yeah, well, <laughs> there was controversy. Sam Skinner looking like he'd won it at the death. But the referee, Sam Skinner sounds kind of like a player from that Paul Mickey Thorburn Skinner. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But Good munch. Yeah, the referee said no try in the field and he stuck with that on-field decision after consulting with his TMO. There was a glimmer of hope during the conversation between referee Nick Berry and TMO, Brian McNeese. It's gone and grounded it in goal, so I need to change my on-field decision to a try. It sounds like is what he's saying mm. there, but ultimately either... But he didn't change his mind or he briefly changed his mind and then changed his mind back. Yeah. <laughs> didn't give the try. They anyway. took five minutes to end up with the wrong decision. Was it definitely Quite. the wrong decision though? Oh yeah, I missed a try, definitely. Can you, de- these... can you definitely see it in any of the replays? Once it hasn't been given and the on-field decision yeah, is no there, try. There, was, was there, was there any a, replay? There's stills of a ball that there's no possibility of any kind of limb or finger or mm. shoe being underneath it. Um, so it is a try and I think they kind of knew by the end but they were more worried about the protocol of I've said this isn't a try initially and the TMO listening to that and thinking well I better I really need 100% evidence to overturn the on-field decision but what they should have is the option for the ref because they they want the ref to take control over the TMO they felt the TMO had too much power they weren't sure who really was in charge here so they said the ref now has to guide them it used to be this but the ref now says I think it's on-field it's a try or it's a no-try but I need evidence for you to overturn that so then the TMO has to find something conclusive which he wasn't going to find particularly with those angles Scott, But, but what they should do is if the ref feels confident about it Absolutely let him guide the TMO. But if he doesn't feel confident about it, leave him both options. You know, that's yeah, not a The wildly balance of probability was that that is, you know, that's 95% a try. And the fact that they couldn't find a TV angle doesn't mm. change the, like, the actual physical fact yep. that the ball, could, the ball couldn't be any closer to the ground. There is no room for anything to be no. between the, the ball and the ground in the angles that we saw. Simon Hodgkinson, by the way, was the, oh, there we the go. hero of the 1991 wow. Grand Slam team. But yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, it, I actually did feel really so- sorry for Scotland because it was like a matter of semantics that denied them the the win. I yeah. felt sorry for the tournament because it was, would have been better if they had beaten France yeah, to absolutely, keep them yeah. rumbling along. It's actually quite a pivotal result in Scotland's evolution too. Like they 
there's not many of these where they'll get to beat France yeah. and they outplayed France. Yeah. But for them to go on, like that would give them confidence for the next game, something to uh, finally a competition they could potentially win, something to really go for. When that's robbed of you, now they had, there was other moments they could have won and all the rest of it, but that is essentially robbed Rob Scotland of a chance to win something big for the first time in a long time. And it is a genuinely talented team. I yeah. know we Oh, joke about yeah. them and all that Tim like Finn, Finn Russell was absolutely brilliant like he, 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 he created that Russell, turnover yeah. at the end Russell was speaking to BBC after the match and he wasn't getting caught up too much in publicly anyway in the sense of grievance being nursed by his nation Personally I believe that was a try at the end but that's up to the referee to decide that so um, that's what he's there to the job for we've got to, to take this defeat in the chin we've got to get better for England so we can't let the the referee decide what happened in the game. That's up to us to, to play better and, and make these games or, or make these matches a victory. You know, our weekly Finn Russell clip. From yeah, he's actually speaking very well as a captain, yeah. I think. Um, the one final thing I'd say about that, if Nick Berry is going to guide the team and say, I think on-field it was no try. He, you know the way you sometimes see refs almost like bury their head in there, like get right into mm. the... Mm the bottom of the yeah. rook nearly at the grass and see unless you've done that then you probably shouldn't be guiding the TMO Life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if AI could fold your laundry and some well less awesome like what if you have unexpected medical costs United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans they supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot of times you say something on this show and you're like, geez, you know, that could come back to bite me in the arse now, you know. But like, I can just go out and say what I like about the Scotland rugby team. They will, you'll never ever get a chance to play audio back to me and be like, what were you thinking? How could you have come out and said such a thing? Oh, Florida, Scotland. When will we see your like again? Scotland. Are a disgrace to worth worth. That fought and died for the jobs. Your wee and stood against him. My name's Jackie McCaffrey. Proud Edwards Army. You're always on the team of tail. Never fit. Scotland rugby team, the sporting world's greatest pinata.
Jerry's in studio with us. Jerry, thanks for making it in. Pleasure. And we can hear the howls of injustice in Scotland from all the way over here. So Tom English is on today. Hi, Tom. I am the honorary Scotsman today. You are Hello, indeed. boys. Yes, yes, yeah. We'll get to them in a second. But Ireland beating Italy by 36 points to nil. And the nil bit is interesting, Jerry. Obviously, to keep any international team, even if it's Italy in the Six Nations, to nil is impressive. It's the first time Ireland have done this to anybody in the five or six nations since 1987, apparently. Mm-hmm. And there's a stat from Russ Petty about the last 12 Six Nations games against anyone. Ireland only conceded 12 tries. The next best defence is France with 27, which is an amazing disparity. So might be the sexiest start to talk about, but the defence wins championships, as they say. Absolutely. And... Um You'd have to say that Ireland have had the best defence now for about, this is the third season in a row effectively, where over that period of time they've had much the best defence, not just the last six games. And I thought their line speed and defending in the last two games has been really good. Like even in Marseille, like the, the two big power plays from the French, arguably the second one wasn't even a touchdown for all the, the attacks that the French had. And then once that Italy missed that penalty, Yesterday, they never really looked like getting off zero, did they? Like it was the comfiest clean sheet you'll ever keep in a rugby international match. Their line speed's very good. Their tackle execution is very good. Um, you have to say that the 10, 12, 13 axes have led the lineup really well, made their tackles. Gary Reno's hasn't even been missed. I think it's fair to say, such has been Robbie Henshaw's form. And if you ever want to just see how good a defensive side Ireland have become, you just look at James Lowe. I mean, the amount of times he makes intercepts, good reads, comes off his wing, makes tackles, or shepherds across the line like he did. I think he shepherded three French players and eventually tackled a third player in, in Marseille. And he just makes consistently good reads and defence now to augment that astonishing kicking game. And he also enjoys it, Jerry, as yes. well, which is something that you yeah. think of, of an attacking player is kind of made to do this stuff that clearly he hasn't grown up really greatly embracing. It, that they, they might, right? Like, it's something that they, look, they know they have to do to get in the team, but he seems to actually really love that part of it. Yeah, it's, it's been. A a, a change in mentality completely for him. He didn't particularly enjoy defending when he first came over. He admits it himself. He wasn't particularly good at it. He got dropped out of the team because of his defending. It was never because mm. of his attacking game. And now he's become the ultimate team player. You know, he's good over the ball. He wins jackals. He's physically he uses physicality in defence. Um, he's just become a very complete team player as well as retaining that X factor we saw for the try. And what he's there was a period, do you remember that one autumn window where he was injured? I think it was 22 when he missed the wins against Australia and South Africa. And really Ireland had no offloading game without him because he's the best offloader in Irish rugby mm. as well. He looks so he enables others. But then you put Jack Crowley and Stuart McCluskey in the team and suddenly mm. Ireland are offloading like the ball like we haven't seen in quite some time. Yeah, the, the whole midfield looked great. Yeah, and it did. Crowley is kind of the most interesting thing to come out of this game from an Irish perspective, Agreed. I think. Yeah. Because... Like, it, it's Italy, right? And his pack were totally dominant, as in Crowley's pack. But that sort of creativity is quite rare. And I think it, there's a couple of things that go into it. It's calm, he's confident, but he has great reflexes. Like, if it's not on, he still has the ability to, to pull it back and just carry into contact and recycle. So it's not like, oh God, if this offload doesn't happen, or if this slightly tricky or... I suppose, risky play doesn't come off, then we're screwed and it's a turnover, as can happen some out-halves. You sort of feel he has both options at all times and he can change his mind late because of that strength, because of that calm, and because of the reflexes, which you don't really associate with, a, with an out-half all that often. No, you don't. And add into that as well, great footwork. 
yep. really good footwork just before contact. So that means he can take the contact often on his terms. And he, oh, but he's prepared to take a late hit by going to the line and putting somebody into space as well. I mean, he was almost smiling when he gave that short little no-look pass to Hugo Keenan as James Lowe would look like it was yeah. going to James Lowe out, yeah. the, out the back. Even on the replay <laughs> yeah. on Twitter, it still looks like it's going to him. Doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And, and then, yeah, you think as well, like they, the little goose step, that was almost reminiscent of his under-20s days. Mm. Um, and he's always been a class player. He was a brilliant under-20s out half, but he was just a little bit unlucky in that there was a logjam at 10 and Munster and the pandemic was no club rugby either so he lost about over a year to rugby a bit like well a few of them like Joe McCarthy as well so what he's done since once now he's got a run in 10 you can see that he just was really enjoying himself yesterday mm. he was really like he enjoyed and that goose step and take take out two players off low for Nash bounces to his feet scores a try crazy to think that's his first senior try isn't it yeah, yeah. it's crazy to yeah. think like he's such a there'll be more and I love the little the way he took out two players as well footwork freed his right hand onto Robbie Henshaw onto McCluskey for the Dan Sheehan try. Um, the only caveat, really, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind the fact that he's making a few errors with less errors. But it be, an out half is probably always going to make the most errors because he has to make the most decisions. Mm. And so there's going to be mistakes, and there will be bad days, and there'll be other days when he when it goes wrong. And I presume his goal kicking will improve. The, the conversion rate of conversions yesterday, and again in the Munster defeat to Toulon and Northampton. But we know he can do it because we saw him do it in Marseille. He would kick beautifully that night. There will be. The, he will get better at that. I just think there was enough, without shouting from the rooftops, that there was enough, I agree with you totally, it was the most encouraging aspect of the opening two rounds for me. There was enough in Jack Crowley's performance to suggest that not only would there be life after Johnny Sexton, mm. but there will be vibrant life after Johnny Sexton. What do you reckon, just Tom? On, yeah, sorry, Tom, I was going to ask you specifically on mm. the, well, first of all, on his creativity, but on the penalties as well, because there was debate on TV here afterwards that you should be, I think Matt Williams is saying you should be at 85% or you don't win big comps, which I don't know if that's strictly true, but, you know, with the kicker, do you want a guy who's always at, say, 70% rather than a guy who's at 90 and then 50 uh, from week to week? Listen, you want an all-round player, and I think Crowley's an all-round player. Um, I don't know. I mean, are, are ser- people seriously picking holes here? I mean, is, 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 is that what's happening? Uh, Not really, but I mean, the, the missed kicks were quite obvious. I mean, and if it's your out half as you go ahead, like it didn't matter against Italy, but it will matter in bigger games. Yeah, but we, we, we know, as Jerry says, we know this guy's a good kicker, you know? Um, so uh, it wouldn't bother me. The missed kicks against Italy would not bother me at all. Um, because I think he's a big game player. I'm really encouraged. Like at the, at the outset of this Six Nations, if you'd said to me that Ireland would finish... A, a, a straw, a decent second, but that McCarthy and Crowley would be bedded into the team and look comfortable. I just said, you know what? I'm really happy with that. I'm happy with that. True. But it, but it seems to be going to be more than that, way more than that, by the looks of it. I mean, the way they're going, they're going to win a Grand Slam uh, while never off the bridle without, you know, use it, using a horse racing term. First two games, I think they've been very, very... Obviously, Marseille was, was class. Very professional job against Italy. And I don't see anyone touching them. Hmm. Yeah, it really is hard to see, isn't it? Because this, the, the line-out, which we mentioned last week, was perfect again. Was yeah. it perfect both weeks? Both yes. so we 13 had, out of 13. 26 in a row. Talk, and, you know, we, we read an email criticising Paul O'Connell, which is fair, or more asking why O'Connell We'd only held a couple more weeks. Oh, we wouldn't have to look. Yeah, and then so since then, it's, it's, it's absolutely perfect. And stealing loads of theirs as well. And they're the kind of things that, you know, you can... Look, I'm always still, as a bit of residual stuff, you're going to Twickenham. Um... 
you could get turned over by England, but you're not going to get turned over by England if your set piece is really good, which ours has been so far. Yeah, um, I would say that England game, without completely dismissing Wales, who, as Andy Farrell said after the game, will be better for another two weeks working with Warren Gatland. And they, they've shown more than we thought they would show. Mm. I think that's fair to say. That try um, against England in the first half was a beauty, the second one. And their maul was good enough to maul England in for a penalty try. So the, even if they never looked like winning the game in the second half, they still have made strides, the Wales. And they, they will be tricky, although, I, of course, you'd be made if Ireland didn't win that game. Twickenham could be tricky for the simple reason that by the time Ireland go there, conceivably England, I know Tom will disagree, but they could beat Scotland and Murrayville. And if they did, they'd go into that Twickenham game with nine wins out of ten. Their only defeat being laid on in a World Cup semi-final. That seems now, so weird. It does seem weird, guess, but yeah. that's the reality. And yeah. the other thing as well, Ireland are now the prized scalp in this Six Nations. Mm-hmm. The team in green heading over to Twickenham. Twickenham will be febrile. They will they be the underdogs. England has underdogs at home to Ireland. They, that crowd and that team will revel in that. And a bit like the World Cup, they've got to sort of ease themselves into a competition with relatively easy games feel mm. good about themselves. Mm. They're better than any other nation, and I include even like South Africa and New Zealand in this, at sort of fluffing themselves up and playing a bit above themselves because they think they're a bit better than they are. And then they kind of fulfill <laughs> that uh, feeling about themselves by actually playing a bit better. And George Ford is kicking really well. Their basics will be quite well. I sort of feel like Borthwick is going to make them a team that's quite hard to beat. which is Hard to watch and hard to beat. Hard to watch, hard to beat, <laughs> which is very different from a good team, but still really annoying to play and actually... I would suspect that would be a really close game in Twickenham, Tom. Uh, listen, home advantage nearly always counts for something. Mm-hmm. I just, I just look at this England team, and yes, they're they're trying to break out of the straitjacket that they were that they were previously in um, throughout the World Cup, but they're doing it unconvincingly. You know, when they got in their in their first game against Italy, they got ten points cleared second half, and they stopped playing. It's almost like they reverted to type. Say, hang on, whoa, this is far. This is too adventurous, and. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're on a they're on a horrible word journey. I'm not sure if they're ever going to get to their destination by trying to play expansive rugby under Steve Borthwick because I think it just endemic in, in, in Borthwick's coaching philosophy is is low risk. And I think they're struggling between trying to become more adventurous and trying to be true to what Borthwick wants, which is a kind of solid, gnarled team. I think I think Ireland pick off those sides. I think, I mean, you know, I, I just cannot see, even though it's Twickenham, even though it's a massive crowd and England will be massive up for it. And Jerry, Jerry is right. The target on Ireland's back against every team in the world now. I think Ireland are just too clever for England. There's too many good players. Their cohesion is too, too, too strong. The players are too good. And England are in just in that uncertain place. I'd be very surprised, very surprised if, if Ireland slipped up at Twickenham. Mm. And as you say, we've so many good players playing really well. Like Sheehan, Tygburn, mm. Doris, Keenan, Bundy, Loeb, Gibson Park even, mm-hmm. all close to being the best players in their position in the world, but they're on form and they're the right age and all that sort of stuff with the right coach. And we have depth, it seems, everywhere except probably Loosehead, even though Keenan Healy's actually scrummaging very well and you wouldn't worry about it too much. And then full back and Keenan gets an injury and you suddenly think it's it's one of the strangest things about Farrell's reign is how little he's played any other full back. And it's partly because Keenan's so fit and can play 80 and doesn't get injured. But then he takes a knock and you go, could this whole thing be shaken by one injury? And he's just been such a brilliant player in the last two games as well. And in Marseille, he makes gets very little time on the ball. 
but he makes three outstanding defensive reads and executes the tackles. Twice in Peno and once in some big lumbering number eight was I can't remember who it was. Was it Aldred? Was it Ramos? Who are, but three brilliant reads and then yesterday he gets his hands on the ball. He ignites the game with that tap and go from his own 22. He ignites the second half again like with that call to Casey for the chip and eats up the ground to gather the ball. Mm. He really ignited the both halves of the game. He ran well. He, he's We only ever know him now when he makes a mistake. He's so error-free. Mm. Mm. He's got to be one of the best fullbacks in the world. And he, he's been so touch wood, uh, resilient until now, that you would hate to see him miss this game, not least because Jimmy O'Brien's injured, Mac Hansen's injured, they're, the Cupboard is fairly bare at fullback anyway. Mm. Hence the bit of a call for even Simon Zebo on the base of four or five games just to be back in the squad. There's no obvious alternative to Keenan unless maybe they put James Lowe there. Hanson or Brian would have been the option till now. I'm I hope they don't go Jack Crowley there because I've just enjoyed Jack Crowley playing so much at ten. I wanted I want to see him stay there. I wanted mm. to see him start all five games in what'll hopefully be an historic campaign for Ireland and get his out half career really up and running. So the only other alternative I can think of then is maybe Maybe Kieran Frawley at fullback, but yeah. yeah, it's it's the options are not plentiful. Tom, just uh, briefly as well on Henshaw, who's really impressed me, having not really played that well for a while now, mainly because of injury. But he's at the point now where I could see him keeping Ringrose out of the team, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, and it, you know, if you want anything to illustrate Ireland's strength and depth, we're talking Henshaw versus versus Ringrose, two players who would walk into, I think. Any other, any other Six Nations team, uh, including France. World-class players, both of them. Henshaw, phenomenal. Mental strength of that guy is incredible. Ringrose, the same. We're talking to thoroughbreds here, right? Um, and McCloskey comes in and he does a terrific job against Italy. They're so well-stocked in the midfield. Uh, you could have any combination of the four and go up against anybody in the world and you'd fancy your chances. I mean, that is that's unprecedented, you know. Uh, Henshaw is a, Henshaw's always been a class player, hasn't he? For yep. a long, yep. long time. Injuries have not been kind to him. But even if he comes back, the resilience of this guy is unreal. I mean, he's had injuries, he comes back, he plays out of his skin, gets injured, comes back out of his skin. It's just, I mean, the world of respect for him. We should have seen it coming. His form for Leinster had been very good. He had a run of injury-free games, which he hasn't had, and I can't remember how long. His performance away to Leicester and Welford Road was outstanding. We should have seen a comment that, you know, this was Robbie Henshaw was back, mm. and he showed it in the way that he stood up and did Matthew Jalibert like a kipper in Marseille before he passed off the deck for Caelan Doris to put Calvin Nash over. Some wonderful carries out. He deserved a try. Pity his try was ruled out. He, his performance really deserved one. And we haven't missed Gary Ringrose. The same way that Ireland, sorry, we, Ireland haven't missed Johnny Sexton. Ireland haven't missed Gary Ringrose either, mm. which is remarkable. And I agree with you. I think Robbie Henshaw is now the man in situ and he probably retains the jersey. Oh, I, I still feel it's a pick. If, if I'm a professional rugby coach and I'm looking at Gary Ringrose in my dressing room and saying, mate, you're on the bench. Oh. I think he will be on the bench. Yeah. I think uh, like, that's a good number. Bench, when, when fully fit what, a cover, yeah. what a phenomenal bench. Yeah, no, yeah. he's yeah. a good player to cover. But, uh, yeah. Super it comes simple. down to the last 10, 10, 15, 10 yeah. minutes at, uh, against whoever. And you've got Gary Ringrose coming off your bench. You're all right. Yeah. Well, McCluskey's unlucky, isn't he? In any other era, he wins 50-plus yeah. caps. Yeah. He's, got, yeah. he's got not only two Lions centres, but probably a third who should have been a Lions centre by now. 
And you've got to respect era. the fact that a guy, as his team, as he and Ulster fall apart, yeah. he's kept his form and his yeah. confidence. Like he was, that was a really nice, little unselfish pass for Sheen. He probably could have got, gone himself. The pass for James Lowe is a beauty. Mm. Square on, mm. gets good pace in the ball, skip pass, gives Lowe the chance to do what he does. Um, but yeah, I took, and that offloading game, that offload he made was the offload of the, for the try of the day, that, off, that was the offload of the day. And where Ireland used to be totally dependent on James Lowe for offloads, you now suddenly have McCluskey and Crowley in the mix. It's suddenly an offloading mm. team. And I, yeah, he's very, he probably misses out to Bundy though because Bundyaki he's only missed the one game now and not two and also Bundyaki's form has yeah. just been phenomenal yeah, yeah crazy stuff Tom tell us about the scandal at Murrayfield please <laughs> where do you want to start well start, uh, start, start, at, the start, end, start at the end exactly yeah I mean what was the uh, just a whole because uh, you know you, every country gets these occasionally in different sports these moments where they feel this sort of righteous indignation and um, you know it's kind of a in some ways, it's a positive emotion. I don't know, but there was unifying, it, unifying in certain ways. Yeah, but what was it like at Murrayfield? Yeah, it was it was bizarre. Um, you know, we could hear on-field decision no try, and we thought kind of that was that. And then the replay started to come up on the big screen. You know, hang on a second, that looks suspiciously like a ball on the ground. And then we hear Brian McNeese, the TMO, says there is the ball on the ground, and the whole stadium erupted. Uh, Gregor Towns and his coaches were up on their feet. And everyone thought that that's it. Um, it looked like the decision had been reversed. There was going to be a try. And then from that position, there is the ball on the ground. Somehow there was this inexplicable U-turn from McNeese and Nick Berry, who I thought was terrible in the whole game, actually. Uh, and there's no try. And it sends a massive deflation and anger. I Gregor Townsend doesn't throw his toys out of the pram. He's not mm. a guy who rants and raves, but you can tell a, a Townsend, Townsend fury. Um, and he was furious afterwards, trying to keep a lid on it and did. But you can tell with the, the use of his words, he was incensed. And they, and they still are, actually. As of this morning, I spoke to somebody in the camp. They're still enraged. Were they right to be, Jerry? Ah, yeah. Put yourself in their shoes. We'd be fairly enraged if we were in that position as well. I think rugby should, it's kind of, it's tying itself in knots with semantics. Referees come on the ground saying, uh, on-field decision is such and such. Well, if you're not certain it's a try or not a try, don't call it as an on-field decision. Just go to the TMO and say, you've got the benefit of the cameras. I think it might be a try or I think it probably isn't. But either way, try or no try. (laughs) Like, none of this on-field decision, that that try that never was, that France scored, the second try in Marseille. Gabrielak, yeah. That was not a try. No. And there's no camera angle that could prove it was no. a try. But for some reason, both the, the touch judge and the referee say on-field decision to try. How can you make a call like that if you yeah. haven't seen it? Yeah. If it's not seen... Like, so just none of this on-field decision is. If you're going to the TMO, help us out here, mate. Yeah. I don't, I'm not yeah. sure. It's like, like it's Absolutely, Jerry. It's like it's not an on-field decision when you haven't seen it. Exactly. It's an on-field, it's an, it's an on-field hunch. hunch. <laughs> that's, that's all it is. Like. It's, a, it's a hunch. It's, it's a, a hunch. My on-field hunch is. Could you help me out there? <laughs> I think they're, they're... And on that, and that's a tablet of stone then, you know. Yeah. yeah. It becomes, yeah. And, I, and, and I still can't get out of them. And I don't criticise referees. I don't, because I know it's a brutally hard job. Yep. Ber- Berry was very poor throughout throughout the game. France, I think their penalty count at the end was about nine or something. It could have been 18, because they were they were offside permanently. It was just unbelievable. But then we get to the piece de resistance at the end and I just still don't know why McNeese went from the ball is on the ground to the ball's not on the ground. He saw something and then he unsaw it. 
It's just bizarre. The whole episode was totally bizarre. I think they're almost afraid of getting in trouble with the judges who judge how they've done rather than what was, what happened here, what actually happened, and just give that decision. I could agree. You were, and also us, podcasts, social media, <laughs> television, mm, yeah. everybody's judging them. Mm. I'd be paranoid with fear if I was being judged by yeah. so many people. They're getting judged to a level that none of the players are getting judged. There's also like the Wayne Barnes and, precedent of family getting threatened. Yeah, death it's threats, like, that, yeah. and it's as Tom says, it's a brutally tough game to referee. It's got so many laws. Mm. None of us know them. And, like, they're going to get things wrong all the time. And also, the more we make a fuss of these decisions, the more the, the more damaging it is then to the game. Mm. But it's a real problem for rugby generally that... I mean, I was talking to a former international... He was after the Marseille game, the next day in the airport. I'm really happy with the way the World Cup was refereed. I don't think it had a material effect on any of the games. And I actually fundamentally disagreed with him. I thought three of the quarterfinals might have gone a different way with a different referee. Yeah. And that's just not sustainable as a sport, is it? Also, what a low bar are we set. Yes. The ref didn't have that much influence on the results. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. I mean, like, Tom, you mightn't agree, but when Gail Fico makes that break for the line, it, it's arguably a seatbelt tackle, isn't it, by doing Van der Merver? And he's certainly offside when he picks up the, re- the, the intercept straight after. So you're going to get decisions, wrong decisions in every game. The, the one thing I can't stand, you hear it in football, all we want is consistency. Nobody's <laughs> consistent. You can't there's get, it's it. impossible. Also, nobody wants consistency. Everybody wants decisions made in, exactly. on behalf of their team. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what my sports editor says at the BBC. All I want from your writing is consistency. Like, Good luck. <laughs> consistency doesn't exist in life, unfortunately. No, and yeah, I think Vandermeer was definitely offside. Yeah, so they got away with that. It's the, it's a debate whether the tackle was on the shoulder or, or higher than that. Nigel Owens reckoned it was on the shoulder. It was close. Mm. It was very close. But he was offside. There's no doubt about that. Um, so that was another thing that I think Nick Berry uh, got wrong on the day. Would you not agree overall that um, Scotland just should have won? As Finn Russell said afterwards, yeah. they should have taken yeah. care of business before then. They, they should have done. I mean, that passage of play before half time. Look, Scotland played very well in the first half, I thought. Yeah. The kicking game was, uh, they won the year uh, uh, big time. France were all over the place. Their line out was poor. Um, they uh, they were knocking on all over the place. Apart, apart from the Fiku try, mm-hmm. they didn't create a whole lot at no. all. So Scotland, and then they went 16 10 ahead. But that passage of play before, before the half was out uh, when Antonio was off. These scrums, yeah, um, that was the winning of it there, wasn't it? Yeah, they like they should have found a way. Yeah, they should have found a way to score there, and they didn't find a way. Uh, now there's a lot of reasons for that, but they didn't. They didn't get the job done, and that ultimately came back to haunt them as well as the decision at the end. It was, uh, you know, it was ve- it was it was really deflating to be at that moment. The second half was an abomination of a half as well. With all the kicking and uh, and the rest of it, but Scotland they they, they should have scored. France defence was defence was good. Uh, they survived. Scotland should have been a bit more creative. There were players out wide. They could have gone out wide. Even in the last play for the Sam Skinner try, that wasn't. Uh, they could have gone wide. So there's a lot of there's a screen wild... grab of a four on one overlap. Yeah, there's you know they could have done all of that, but. Absolutely, they could have. And you could argue they should have gone wide rather than take the risk with Skinner going for the line. They could have spread it wide, riskier. But Why is it riskier, by the way? I think that's an old-fashioned mm. idea. 
the idea that well, more passing is more with a new ruling risky. that if you're held up over the line, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think... I'd sure. much rather have Hugh Jones flying onto that ball or whoever, mm. Van der Merwe, than a slow forward with no momentum more than likely going to get held up. But, or but, or but, at the very least, the, not enough evidence that it was a try. Yeah, but the, but the bottom line, the ball was on the ground, right? Because Brian McNeese said the ball was on the ground. But as Finn so Russell can, says, you're captain. Take it out of the hands of the, the, the ref. Yeah, absolutely. You could, you could go back. We can go around in circles on that. You know, but I just uh, think it's a general thing in rugby now at the moment where the forwards are taking too much on close to the line, especially yeah. with this new rule where you're leaving yourself open to the to being held up. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely, and uh, you know it's coulda, woulda, shoulda, you know. Mm. Um, and Scotland will say, yeah, you know, we could have gone wide, and we could have scored and taken it out of the hands of the referee, but we did score as France did for their try, that brilliant pass from Jalabert to Fiku. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's a, there was a lot in it, you know. Um, what do you think they should have been doing when they were ahead in that second half and there was the kick tennis, DuPont rule and all that stuff? I think they controlled it again. They were 16-10 ahead. France had shown little or nothing apart from the Fiku try. Um, and I was around the 60-minute mark when it became real kick tennis. And Scotland were comfortable. And, like, they went to sleep for the BLBRE try. And that was it. You know, they really, that was the one moment they got suckered in that moment, you know? Um, but there was no sign of that coming. That was a try that dropped out of the sky. So they did get suckered. They went from controlling the game and France showing nothing to be being, being behind because at a five-minute spell, they conceded a penalty. That was another three points for France. All of a sudden, France had control of the game. I think... In hindsight, and you know, you look at the Kyle Rowe break right at the end. Mm. If George Horn had been on the pitch, he'd have been on Kyle Rowe's shoulder. I'd bet the house on it because that's what George Horn does. He's got an unbelievable try scoring record, uh, kind of like he's a scrum half, but he's kind of like a Chris Ashton. He's always on the shoulder of the ball carrier. That's how he scores all of his tries. And I think he would have been up with play and I think he'd have been there to take a pass from Kyle Rowe and they might well have scored off that move. But, you know, it's all... doesn't matter now, does it? <laughs> you might need to explain the it's... DuPont rule for some people. So. Yeah, basically, so say you, you often saw Finn Russell catch a ball in his own 22 around there. The French team can't run at him until he's run five metres. So Finn Russell can stay still and then the French chasers also have to stay still so you could literally it could go on forever it's basically a loophole in the in the laws um, but the th- other thing it does is it allows big fours like a Tony just stand there and watch have the kick rest. tennis go on for five minutes yeah, yeah. have a rest yeah. and people are saying oh you know, Scotland was space Scotland should have attacked why, why should Scotland have attacked because you know they're, they're controlling the game and also France have an advantage mm. so they've got you know they've got six everyone. points isn't a very big lead with those French wingers it, it, France it, are it, always going to Pull out a try, probably from somewhere. But 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 when the when the kick tennis was going, what should they have done? Well, there was definitely a counter attack opportunities for sure. But but the, everyone, every France France player was 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 like the well, the defensive line was set. You're talking about that's what France wanted them to do. France want clearly wanted them to counter attack and try and get a turnover and play off that. So why should well at the moment what France, what France wants them to do? isn't too clear. I don't think and it, whatever they're seeking to do isn't working like they were terrible they had no line out Scotland should yeah, have won that yeah. game Scotland had several be, opportunities they were arguably worse than they were in Marseille 
they should be two defeats from two. Yeah. They're the story should. of the tournament in yeah. many ways. Yeah. Like yeah. everybody else is pretty much where they were in the last couple of years except yeah. France. Yeah. They're the ones that have gone seriously backwards. And you can't just attribute it to the absence of Dupont. Although clearly we can now see that they... Fabian Galtier and Sean Edwards or the attack coach Lauren Labie daren't tell Antoine Dupont how to play rugby. How could you? So Dupont would take on so much himself and that's what made them so unpredictable. Take him out of the equation, I feel a little bit sorry for Luku in that he looks a bit dazzled by what the, the role he's been handed. It must be tough when you're permanently sitting 80 minutes on, on the bench and never coming on for an icon or a talisman mm. or whatever you want, the world's greatest player and then suddenly you're thrust into the starting role. But... They've just gone backwards so much. And even even the BLBRE treatment, he plays the quarterfinal when he probably shouldn't have. Then he's dropped in Marseille when he probably should have played. And mm. then he comes back and scores a wonder try that bails Gabi Galtier out of jail. Yeah. Um, but they've been this, they've, how they've gone backwards this season has been quite staggering. What about the message it sent that uh, DuPont isn't in the team and he's playing 100 metres up the road or whatever, uh, Tom? You know, it's not just that he's not on the field. It's that he sent a message that sevens or something else is more important to him and the team feel a little bereft. Well, the team is bereft as well. I don't know the politics of it, but the team is is bereft. But it's not just him, it's Entomac. It's Flamand as well. Like, I mean, he's a hugely influential player for them. So, uh, like... Jelange, they, they're missing a few, yeah. Jelange, they are, they, are miss, they are missing plenty, you know. Um, and you have to factor that into the equation. But even allowing for that, you know, that performance... We talk about the, the the controversy at the end and various other things. Scotland are hurting, but they are also hurting because they know they should have won that game. Yeah, they were. You France know, were that, there for the taking, Tom. The, France were there for the taking. This is a this is a desperately poor French team, mm-hmm. and Scotland lost to them. And we can argue till the cows come home about but the ball being down and all the rest of it. But they lost, you know, and they should have won. And I, like France were all over the place. The lineout was poor. They're handing out. Peno dropped the ball a couple of times. Dante dropped it. Jalabert dropped it. I mean, the ball was wet, but it wasn't that wet. Um, you know, they, they created a couple of things in attack. BLBRE, Fiku, not a lot else. No, no, Nolan Legarek looks. I think they should start him from now on. Yeah, that yeah, pass. Yeah. Yeah. is a terrible in, selector, by the way. Is it? Yes. He's got so yeah. much talent yeah. and he's wasting it. Yes, completely. Uh, I think and you've got, and your man Tuolangi comes on. Now, Tuolangi, I don't know if you've seen this, but Tuolangi enters a rock and he punches somebody. Like that guy, for me, is not a rugby player. He's just a massive lump. Um, and I don't know if he's going to be cited, but it's pretty clear. He enters the rock and he thumps somebody. Mm. They got away with that. The replays aren't too conclusive on that. Just on the DuPont rule, Jerry, what do you think is the best solution? Ooh, they have to do something about it. Like, like say, Three seconds, the referee. If, if right now, you can go forward. It can't just be indefinite. Or how about the catcher is allowed to run ten meters instead of five before yeah, you can advance? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then he's really got it. He's in, he's incentivized to counterattack. Yeah, it's just ridiculous how many rules there are in this game, though, isn't it? Mm. Army laws and well, O'Gara was them. prompted yeah. to tweet. But do they not have to be quite a lot of them? Is it? Is it yeah, I suppose there is, is it being overcomplicated? I've seen this said a lot. There's just too many. It shouldn't be all on the referees. And you said it earlier as well. That three of the quarterfinals were dictated by referees, but that's been the wave for as long as I remember. Yeah. Is there is there another Gosh, way? I think it's more than ever. Well, you see, we keep adding like new ones to solve yes. all problems. But as Shane Horgan said, if you were to start rugby again, you certainly wouldn't come up with this model. <laughs> We've just been at it for a hundred odd years and it's just got it more and more complicated. And we weren't expecting athletes like we have today. All right. Listen, Jerry, Tom, we won't solve that one in, in its entirety <laughs> no. right now. Thanks so much. Cheers. Cheers. Excuse me for interrupting you, John. I hate to do this. 
He didn't turn up for the first match. Well, hang, on, hang, on, hang on a minute. Did he get to the Euros? Did he get to the Euros, Ken? Because he was doing a gig for the BBC's holiday programme. It's the best thing in the world for you because it's full of protein. It looks around. Why are we giving him the job then? Hang on, sorry. Okay. Sorry, John. Go if you got to the Euros, do you uh, think you're going to get to the Euros? Stephen Kenny, Ken. Frank Darcy. Frank Darcy. It's Franchenko. He is. And it always you see, will be Franchenko. You see who is there and then it's, ah, oh, it's Franchenko signed off at the end. Franchenko says, lads, many thanks for keeping the Ireland managerial updates flowing. As uninspiring as it has been so far, it has been good to have someone keeping the finger on the pulse slash attempting CPR on the whole process where required. I am interested to hear the different takes. The FAI wants someone with a footprint here in Ireland. Fans like Murph want someone capable and from left field who's not one of the usual suspects like Steve Bruce and Robbie Keane. Ken wants an ambitious up-and-coming manager with coaching experience but notes with disappointment that taking the Ireland job could undermine your reputation as an ambitious manager especially if QPR or Blackburn have a vacancy. Surely the only candidate to tick all these boxes is right under our noses in Jim McGuinness. Man management credentials are unparalleled. A proven winner, only 51 years of age with 10 years soccer coaching experience in three different leagues. Is highly rated by coaches like Roger Schmidt. His pressing style, not a million miles from Stephen Kenny's possession blueprint for the team. So it would be a continuity candidate at least. Could even keep his role for now with Donegal. I think we would all like something a bit different. We just need to get him onto Premier Sports to confirm. Yours in sport, Franchenko. Listen, you know, Fran- Franchenko's uh, credentials speak for themselves. However... Long-time listener. Regular emailer. Yeah. So was that regular? I haven't seen him from Franchenko in a while, so I was happy to read uh, him. Regular. Yeah. Yeah, still Jim, going good man Franchenko I, Mc- I screen your emails but. <laughs> thanks Simon Jim, uh, Jim Franchenko gets- emails in an awful lot of shite yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Simon just sends me the best though not necessarily Franchenko but yeah, yeah of course Jim McGuinness yeah Charlotte Independent son it's his only head coaching job mm-hmm. one game one win in 14 games ah oh, Jesus Christ. you know I, I am all as Frank Franchenko says I am all about left field mm. One win in 14 games in his only job, you know, head coach. If he job. had, say, four wins in 14 games. Well, if he had four wins, maybe we'd have, have a wider, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, uh, sample size. I just think, you know, he's doing great things with Donegal. Everyone in Donegal is very happy to have him. And I feel like that's one of the 26 counties involved in the makeup of our national football team. And I think that robbing one of that 26 for what will almost certainly be not a very successful appointment. I just, I, I can't see good it. Press, I wouldn't good do press that. conferences, good interviews. Mm, all right. I mean, all right. I mean, yeah, all right. Yeah. Like, in, yeah, interesting to start, but will very quickly become surly and uncommunicative if, <laughs> if, if results don't go his way. Is that very different to previous incumbents uh, no I don't one. think Stephen Kenny was surly and uncommunicative to be fair uh, yeah Not his communication wasn't very good yeah but it, it wouldn't a, have been uncommunicative yeah. I mean he was trying to be communicative and failed a lot particularly in the post-match interviews so anyone listen I with respect I don't think Jimmy Guinness is the answer okay we'll go with that thanks Murph Thank you, Owen, and thank you, Simon. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, Owen. Thanks for listening. US Murph, Super Bowl chat tomorrow. Champions League knockout round start this week as well. So sign up now to the World Service on secondcaptains.com. Remember, Second Captains Podcast is part of the ACAS Creator Network. If you become a member, you will hear all episodes. Yeah, you mentioned the ads thing, on. Yeah, and you'll be supporting independent journalism. And you will... What was the other thing I was going to say? 
Oh, you you'll really enjoy it? You'll just really enjoy it. It's good yeah. fun. <laughs> if you like this show, you'll like the other shows later in the week. I mean, I mean it would stand to reason. Yeah, like, it's, is, it's not like, you know, we're holding on It's actually a no-brainer. Why aren't you signed up already? It seems odd. Mad. It's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 